Hello and welcome to our podcast, On Your Marks. My name is Peter and I am the leader of St Mark's Church in Jersey, a growing, friendly Anglican church in the centre of St Helier. We want to take the Bible apart and see what's really in there, going beyond the face value to dig a little deeper into certain topics. We will bring you fresh content every week and hope you get a lot out of listening. So, if you're ready, let's go. Well, hello, Ray. Hello. And hello to everyone listening. Um, I'm sitting as usual with my friend Ray, and we're here to discuss um, our Sunday service um, and the topics we covered. Um, This week, Ray, in church, we started our uh, four-week series on Galatians. Um, And it was, I must say, actually, in my personal preparation, I've really enjoyed digging into the book and looking into the history and and some of the the deeper stuff that often we don't do if we're just looking at a singular passage, do we? Oh, that's quite true. And it's valuable to work your way through. I think um, I can admire you for fitting Galatians into three weeks, but um, there we go. Four. Four weeks. (laughs) Four. Um, I know, I know. We could have definitely done that a lot longer. We've got other things in the pipeline with King's Chamber Orchestra coming and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's an everlasting conundrum, this, of whether you focus on key passages and move fairly steadily through, or whether you get really almost bogged down in something. Mm. Um, it's a difficult decision sometimes. Yeah, very. Yeah. There well, we are. Um, we're, in, we're, we're starting in Galatians 2, um, verse 11 to the end of the chapter. Um, so it's 10 verses in all, down to 21. Um, I'll read um, and then we'll crack on. Yep. <clears throat> so Paul opposes Peter. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus, in order to be justified by faith in Christ, and not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. But if, in our endeavour to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuilt what I tore down, I proved myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Ray, before we 
kick off. Just it says in verse eleven when Cephas, um, Cephas is Peter, but where did why are we calling him Cephas? He was known as Cephas, um, and Cephas, I believe, I'm right in saying, is the Aramaic form of rock. So he was called the rock, um, and that is translated into Petros in the Greek, mm. um, which again means rock, um, and that in turn is translated into the English language as Peter. Right, yeah, and Cephas was the name that Jesus it's, gave to Simon. Yeah. Simon becoming Cephas, Peter. Okay, brilliant. So, Ray, what are your initial thoughts of, um, of what we've read? It's, a, it's, a, it's quite a crucial um, passage. It sets out the foundations for the reality of Christian life in the spiritual dimension. It is not the whole picture, because Paul um, subsequently in Romans, for instance, and elsewhere, makes very clear that the law is not finished with. It still has a function and a purpose. It's an important one. Um, but here he's comparing people who use the law as the foundation for their life and the way they live out their particular faith, um, and those who base their faith on what Jesus has done for them. So there's a massive contrast, he mm. says. And he hangs it on this incident, which is quite fascinating. Mm. That too is important, because at this particular time, Antioch, was a very significant place, um, uh, very much a focus for the, the growing influence of the Christian faith. Um, and it, it was interesting that there, Peter came along and got himself tied up in knots. Um, there's also the influence of the church in Jerusalem beginning to experience difficulties and we have what's called dis a dispersion where the church spreads. Um, so it, arguably, without me reading up all the history, um, it is mu as much to do with that as anything. Um, but the reality is there was a strong church by this time in Antioch, yeah. um, an effective church. It was growing, it was growing amongst the Gentiles um, and becoming very effective. Um, so along comes Peter um, and is impressed with clearly with what's going on and sits down to supper with the Gentile believers, of which there seemed to have been a significant number. Mm. Um, and until visitors from Jerusalem, um, whether they were simply following on, I know, it's not really terribly clear, is it? It came from James. So yeah, well, James, the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Hmm. and um, Brother of Jesus. Now, it's, that's not always clear, because right. there's James, the brother of Christ, and there's James, the apostle. Yeah. Um, 
and it's not always clear which is which. I'm not always clear anyway. Mm. Um, but the important thing is, it was James who led the church in Jerusalem. I do feel sorry for Peter. <laughs> I can see. I can oh see well, how yeah. He's I mean, he, was, he should. He, well, he was a bit two-faced. Yeah. I'm afraid. Um, I mean, I could imagine all the enthusiasm, all these people converting to Christ. This is wonderful. Yeah, let's you know, let's have supper together and and rejoice in it. And and then coming round the corner comes a little cohort of a traditional Christians from Jerusalem. Whoops, um, I, I'm going to get caught. Mm. And um, it's. Quite a human story in some yes. ways, yeah. um, and I, I noticed before we get too uh, worked up with Peter's misdemeanour, Paul himself is uh, a little bit dubious in his language about the unsaved Gentiles. Yeah, um, so that it's not just Peter who's getting it wrong. There's a a wee bit of learning to be done by Paul as well, I think, at this stage. I wonder why Paul also did this in front of everyone. Obviously, he thought it was such a big issue, but why he didn't just speak to Peter at one side? Well, it was an issue in the church, and it, having the leaders from the church in Jerusalem present um, lifts the whole thing into a new sphere. And it was important to deal with it and to deal with it publicly. The the Gentile believers needed to be affirmed and encouraged and blessed. Um, uh, and the leaders from Jerusalem needed to be put right. Right, OK. Um, and also to try and suggest, I think, um, that any two-facedness um, was not really the way mm. to handle it. So maybe the way he handled it was probably appropriate for the... Well, it's not I first. think for the occasion yeah. and, or for the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was with purpose. He was still... I mean, he was going to be visiting Jewish synagogues throughout the Roman Empire for some time to come. Mm. And he was going to have to take them from a position of dependence upon the law in, into a new experience of dependence on faith. And he c couldn't afford to get it, allow it to be captured and turned around right at the beginning here. Mm. It was, um, an, I think it was an important statement at this stage. Uh, he needed to set his parameters, get his priorities right. So when you said before about language, verse 15 <clears throat> says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. That's what it is, yeah. yeah. Now, I, I, you know, you feel, did he well, almost let slip <laughs> some phraseology which was dubious yeah i don't know um, well, all sinners, we all we're do all it yeah, yeah but we all do it you know i'm <laughs> i'm sure i could at times yeah um, but, uh, perhaps habitual perhaps 
perhaps there was some identification of sinfulness with gentileness mm. and um we don't know no, no. but it does it does great a bit that to me yeah um, well i thought the same when i read it through yeah <laughs> if we hear a slight squeaking in the background it's not a mouse that's entered you just have a window washer that's turned up and so there could oh. be a, oh, well, well. a squeegee on the window if anyone is listening and hearing a squeaking. It's like yeah. the, 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 one he, the one he's just done is looking lovely and clear now, though. Anyway. Oh, I'll have to pay up before he disappears in a minute. So, okay. <clears throat> the, the key bits of this passage come in verse 17 onwards. Correct, or? yes. That's, that's the, the real guts of it. And... We've already discussed justification and we've been very definite about that. Here is a specific example where Paul is applying the whole process of justification and uh, explaining it much more fully than the rather rather more technical language elsewhere. Um, Yeah, that's right. Just for anyone listening, last week we ended up talking quite a lot on the the difference between justification and righteousness mm. and, and things like that. So go and have a listen if you um, if you haven't already. Mm. So this is the practical work. It's a practical example yeah. of what it means. Mm. So Ray, in, um, in verse 19 then, yeah. uh, for, th- for through the law I died to the law so that I may live. What, what do you understand then by dying to the law? For through the law I died to the law. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Is this a a bigger question? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty complex argument in some ways. Um, Basically, the law is seen here as something which, which can take a real grip on us and, and hold us down and restrict us and we see the law as essentially restrictive and mm. preventing us doing things and so on so it becomes essentially something very negative and we go into us he sees it as going into a some sort of decline almost um, and so that is something which speaks of death and judgment that that typifies the function to some extent of the law there is another side to the law which Paul comes on to elsewhere um, and that is its purpose of restricting us from going too far into sin because the law defines what sin is um, and in defining what sin is, it says you don't go there, you don't do that, you mm. don't live like that. Um, but nonetheless, um, it is strongly um, endowed with this understanding of it speaking of final death, that there is no ultimate hope without the other side, which is grace and Christ's work on the cross. Um, so if we em- embrace the law, and if we try and live according to laws, 
we fail and we always will because we can't do it we can't do it in our own strength um, it, it is impossible and therefore the law speaks to us of death I die because of the law the law declares me to have failed mm, I see that yeah and whereas the grace of God declares that because I am a new creature and I have put on Christ, is the phrase that Paul uses, I am a new creature, I am a child of God, I am indwelt by the Spirit of Christ, and I am Christ's person. And that has changed me mm. by God's grace, not, not by my effort, not by my striving, but by what he has done. So I am given life, I'm given hope, I'm given eternity as a gift of God. And the whole sort of emphasis is so different, and that's what he's trying to express in a very concise way here that the one speaks of impossibility and death the other speaks of eternity and hope mm. and life um, and we haven't said this for a few weeks but a text without a context is a pretext yeah. and I feel like we've got to remember that this the purpose of this letter was he was writing to try and sort out this issue in the church Correct. about what gives us righteousness, what justifies yep. us. Yep. And so he's speaking to a lot of people who are culturally Jewish, you know, and so in the, in the final verse, he's saying, well, look, why would Christ have died then? Yep. You know, if the law could have brought righteousness. Yep. Yep. Okay, so verse 19, what it is saying is, for through the law I died so that I may live through Christ, basically. Yeah. Yes, the law has said to me, you're dead. Yeah. But Christ has come and has said to me, you live. And that's the contrast that is so dramatic. So the functioning of the law today... The function of the law is still valid in that it reminds us of the importance of obedience, of understanding what God has stipulated, the way to live, the way to work out our Christian lives in practical, essentially practical ways. Um, whereas grace is the means by which we do it. So we have the injunction in the law and the ability in grace. Mm. That's, I think, the, the difference. So there is function in the law for me, but there is power in grace. So the fact that I am justified by faith in the living Christ is the thing that makes the real difference. Mm. Um, I, we can argue about the law, but we can't argue about grace. 
what would you say is your is your takeaway your raised take on this bit then yep i would say that the the pivotal verse for me has always been verse 20 i have been crucified with christ it is not no longer i who live but christ who lives in me when jesus was crucified on the cross i was crucified with him because i was in christ you have to take out history and think of spiritual reality the heavenly reality is that i am in christ and he by his spirit is in me and my life has been crucified i had the old life of disobedience and rebellion against god has been put to death i therefore need to learn to live as one who has that new life to deny the demands of my flesh and to honor the desires of christ and that to me is absolutely foundational it is no longer i who live but christ who lives in me so given any situation that has to be the test that i apply first mm. and the life i now live in the flesh i live by faith in the son of god correct mm. and he has to be central which applies in what i seek to practice and fail sadly <laughs> what i seek to promote and by god's grace do my best and what we have to live by you speak often about things of, of your failure but i'm sure there are also many successes ray <laughs> to be celebrated oh, it's it's good um it's good mm. yeah thank you Thank you so much. See you next week. Look forward to it. We do hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to like and subscribe and share with your friends on social media. And please do get in touch with any suggestions or comments you may have. Thanks for listening and see you next time.